Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Chapter four. Last week, uh, I started a little mini series, and, and last week was titled, Where Am I Going? And we talked about how God wants us moving. He wants us going. He gives us vision for our lives, and, and we need to follow that and, and go where it is that he's telling us to go. This week, um, I, I, I want to talk about where are we going? Where are we going? So uh, as a church, where are we going? Individually, we talked about God wants us going. You need to find the vision for your life individually. But this week, I want to talk about where are we going. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 11. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or we might say pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here Paul is listing out what, what you might hear in church as the five-fold ministry gifts. Um, I'm not entirely sure why we add f- fold on there. It's <coughs> just the five ministry gifts. Um, but apparently uh, we, we like to say it that way, the five-fold ministry gifts. Um, and so here you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, it's not just Paul listing out these five ministry gifts. And the reason that he says we call them gifts is because this is something that Jesus gave to us. He gives us these these offices, these um, people that are anointed and, and equipped and empowered to, to do these things. But it's not just that he gave us these gifts and he's listing them here, but when you keep reading in verse 12, he gives us a purpose, a reason of why he gives us these. To equip the saints. The saints are be, would be now, we might say, the believers, the followers of Jesus. So God gives us these five ministry gifts, um, and, and we'll talk a lot today about pastors and church to equip you, to the way we would say is empower you. Now, many times what we think is the five-fold ministry gifts, the five ministry gifts, the pastors, the apostles, the evangelists, the teachers, the, uh, the prophets, all of them, they are to go out and do the work of the ministry. But here, Paul tells us that actually those gifts are given to empower you to go do the work of the ministry. That, that, that we are here to empower you, not for us to do all of the work of the ministry. Um, But not just for the work of the ministry, but then he goes on to say, for building up the body of Christ. For building up the body of Christ. Now, I wanna talk to you, this is one part of this I wanna talk to you about, building up the body of Christ. Now, when you think about building up the body of Christ, most churches or pastors um, we, we think of this really along, I see it in a, in a line or in a spectrum. And so it'll either be um, really a big chunk about, wow, a big chunk about, okay, let's try this one, option three. There we go, salvation. And what I mean by this is, a church or a pastor, like it is, it is about getting people saved 
and, and, and man, the ministry is all about getting people saved. And that is biblical. Like Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Like as individuals, as a church, as a body, we should be about seeing people come to Jesus. We should be about salvation. We should be looking for and praying for and, and, and doing what we can to help the lost become the found. To help people go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We should be a church that is about seeing people give their lives to Jesus and Jesus transforming their lives. Many times, um, this kind of focus or this kind of group or even church, uh, it it acts much like a hospital. And so um, the idea around this is people come in sick or unsaved or broken, and then when they leave, they leave whole or saved or, you know, walking with Jesus. Now, there's also another spectrum of building up the body of Christ uh, that some churches focus on, and that is training believers. Sorry about my handwriting, but training believers, okay? Now, this type of focus or church or pastor, um, it's not that they don't want to see people saved, but their ministry, their focus, their church is really um, more about the believers coming in and the believers knowing more and getting stronger and developing. I I would say this is um, more like a a training center. I'm going to say like a weight room, all right? And and what I mean by that is um, when you go to a weight room, you know, you go to the weight room to get stronger. You go to lift weights and get stronger. And so uh, a lot of churches are doing absolutely amazing at bringing people in. And, And you know what Christians will do? They'll, they'll criticize either side of this, right? So, so the ones that just, they're bringing people in and all these people are getting saved. Oh, they're not deep. They just don't teach the word. They this, they that. And it's like, why? Why, why, why? why do we have to even, why can't we celebrate what God is doing in those churches? <laughs> like, like whatever you want to say about the growth, like people are getting saved. Like that is good, <laughs> Why are we looking down on that? If people are giving their lives to Jesus, that is a good thing. And then you got these, these pastors, these churches over here, and not a whole lot of people are getting saved, but people are really growing spiritually. And so they come in, and they're probably already saved. Sometimes, a lot of times what happens is people go to this church first and get saved, and then they end up going to this church <laughs> to grow up. And you know what? There, there's, that, that's okay. There's part of that that God has, has called pastors and churches and groups to be either on this side of the spectrum or on this side of the spectrum. And that's fine. And, and you see the fruit of that. Now, some pastors and some churches, they're just picking a side and going with it. God hasn't called them to that, but, but they're, just, they're, 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 they're seeing something else and they're just going with it. Now, what we're also finding is there's now this move to kind of find this middle ground right here and figure out what does that look like in the middle and how do we do the middle? How, how do we do, you know, get people saved and, and train people up and kind of like how do we compromise a little bit of getting people saved and how do we compromise a little bit of training people up to, to find that middle? Because there's, there's pros and cons on both sides of this. Right, the group that is all about the salvation, it's all about being the hospital, as, as you may say. Um, sometimes they go too far. Like, I'm not talking about opinion, I'm talking about Bible. 
You know, you know um, I, I've, I've read about, now, now listen, I, this is not going to be judgmental. I love church and I love pastors. Like, I, I probably love church. Like, it, I love church. Like, if I'm not here, I'm at church somewhere. I, like, I love church. Um, but I've read and I've, I've seen and I've heard pastors that'll like, they'll play like a, uh, a secular song before they preach. To just kind of get everybody who doesn't know Jesus relaxed and feeling familiar. And, and I understand the, the, the natural side of that. I'm just like, man, I, I don't mean to be judgmental, but, but I think in some ways they kind of go too far. And, and here, there's, there, there's some ways that they go too far as well. Because you start to go to people who, who have never been to church and don't know Jesus and you speak in Elizabethan and you're talking about deep revelation and they don't even know who Jesus is yet. Like, like you, 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 amen. It's okay to say amen. Nobody's getting in trouble here t- today. So, so you have this, this spectrum and then, and then there's a group that's trying to be in the middle. There's, there's this salvation focus or this training believers focus and there's a group now that's trying to, to find this middle. Let me tell you this. Um, here's what God has called us to be. God has called us to be both. He hasn't called us to be all the way over here, and he hasn't called us to be all the way over here. He's called us to be all the way here and all the way there. Now, here's the difficulty about this. There's no, there's no road map for that. <laughs> there's a road map to do this. <laughs> there's a road map to do this. There's becoming a road map to be in the middle. But, but, but God has called us not to... Not to not to uh, sacrifice being a salvation place, a hospital place in any way, shape, or form. And he's called us to, to, to be a place where we train the believer and not to sacrifice that and to be a weight room where you can come in and lift weights and get stronger and grow and, and, and not to compromise that at all. He, he's not called us to be in the middle. He's not called us to be here or here. He's called us to be both. And we, where we're going, we're going, and, and we're, in some ways we're there, but in other ways we're going to the place where we will be both. The next part of this is um, in verse 12, not only to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Because let me say this, salvation is building up the body of Christ. Body of Christ is us. We're members of the body of Christ. So the more of us there is, the more the body is being built up. But this is also building up the body of Christ because the stronger those that are in the body of Christ are, the stronger the body of Christ is. And then it says, until we attain, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of faith. Let me tell you this, 13.7% of churches in America are multi-ethnic according to research done um, by a pastor who wrote this book called HD Leader. His name is Derwin Gray. And I'd encourage you to, if you're interested in this at all, like it's, I absolutely love the book. It's called HD Leader, essentially high definition leader. But 13.7% of churches are multi-ethnic. Now, you may have heard me talk about this before. What does multi-ethnic mean? Multi-ethnic just means less than 80% of the members are of one race. So if you have 79% of one race, then you're considered multi-ethnic. Now, nowhere else in our society that we go to and 80% of the people are of one race would we look at that and say, that's multi-ethnic. 
<laughs> like, like if you go to a grocery store where 80% of the people are one race, you, you don't think, man, this is a really multicultural, multi-ethnic grocery store. No, no, you don't think that. If you go to a school that is 80% one race, you're not like, man, this is a really diverse school. But in church, it's so bad that we have to come up with some way and some standard. And the standard is so low that we're saying 79% is, is multi-ethnic. And at that low standard, only 13.7% of churches in America are multi-ethnic. Which means 86.3% of churches are homogeneous. Wow. Wow. So, another part of this, and, and, and please, I hope you know me enough to not be offended by this, but you have another line. White. Black. Now, you could put, you know, Hispanic, Asian, you, you can fill in this, this line here. But in our, in, our, in our society today, looking at the numbers, churches are along this line. And so you got, you got churches, they're not going to, I mean, I hope they don't, call themselves white churches. But essentially, it's what they are. You go there, and it's not 80, let's be honest. Of the 13.7%, of the many of them are really close to 80, more than like 50 Many of them are, are close to 80% of their people being one race versus close to 50% of the people being one race. So you have churches that don't call themselves that, but that's what they are. Do you know, and if this is you in here, please, there are way more of you than you would realize. I'm not talking about you individually. But do you know how many people find our church because they Google black churches in Round Rock? A lot. A lot. I bet, you, I bet you in the last six weeks I've met 10 people that said they found our church because they Googled black churches in Round Rock. Because when you Google that, because of mine and my wife's last name, our website has black in it a lot. <laughs> and, and so if you Google that, we're the first one that comes up every time. <laughs> I'll never forget, it was about two years ago, I think. About two years ago, Minister Ty introduced me to somebody who just finished our membership process at the time. And, and they, they, they had found our church online. And so I started asking, like, well, how'd you find it? And they got really embarrassed. Like, you could tell they got embarrassed. And I was like, okay, this is interesting now. Now I want to probe. I want to know why. And it came down to they Googled black churches in Round Rock, and they found us. And then they, they joined. And, and, um, and so um, now... We don't have time, but historically, you can get into uh, uh, why this is and, and justifying some of this, maybe not biblically, but, but historically. Um, and, and you find, and even this, 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 this bothers me so much. If you are someone who wants to pastor a church, you want to plan a church, you want to start a church, most of the training that's out there for you will tell you that wherever you are, if you're white, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, if you're Asian, then, then stick with that, focus on that group, and, and build a church that looks like you. Because that's the way you'll get the most traction. That's the way it'll grow the fastest. 
Churches are 10 times more segregated than the neighborhoods they're in and 20 times more segregated than the nearby schools. So you may say, does, 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 is this okay? Like, does God okay with this? Let, let me, stick with me now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some scriptures. These are all in the Version Bible app notes, so, so you can get them there. But let me go through some of this with you. Um, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul said this. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. He's talking about the mystery of God. This is, this is the mystery, that they, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul is saying that the mystery of Christ is that Jews and Gentiles are of the same body and are partakers of the promise, which was the promise of Abraham. That's the mystery of Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9, um, Paul's writing to Timothy about deacons, about church leadership, and he says this, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That if you're going to be in spiritual leadership, if you're going to be in church leadership especially, then you must hold the mystery of faith, which is what? That Jews and Gentiles are of the same body. We might say blacks and whites and Hispanics and Asians are of the same body. And you must hold that with a clear conscience. Not, not words, but your conscience. You know your conscience. The church in Rome, at Ephesus, at Colossae, at Antioch, at Galatia, at Corinth, and the church that will be in heaven were all diverse churches, multi-ethnic churches. Let me read to you some of this. In Romans chapter 15, verse 5, it says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with, the, with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Romans is all about how the gospel empowers Jews and Gentiles to express God's glory by living together in unity. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is, neither, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That was written to a church at Galatia. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 19, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. To who? Everybody. Not just those like us. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The Colossi churches, they had Greeks, Jews, barbarians, Scythians, slaves, free people. It was ethnically and socionomically diverse. Acts, there's so, there's so many in Acts. I had to just pick a couple. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Who was in Jerusalem? Jewish people. Who was in Samaria? Samaritans. Jews, Samaritans. Go back and look at the stories, especially of Jesus in the New Testament about Samaritans. The, 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 the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies. I mean, big time, utterly enemies. And Jesus made it a point to emphasize the unity that he desires between them. 
In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, um, th- this is, this is uh, giving us some leadership in the church at Antioch. It says, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Now he says, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Here in the, in the description of the leadership in the church at Antioch, we are giving their ethnicities. And they were diverse. We don't have time to go into it, but they were so very diverse. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. Now, think about this. In heaven, there's going to be some way for us to even look and determine nationality. (laughs) You're looking and you're saying, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they were worshiping God. They did not separate white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Samoan, whatever. They didn't separate. They were there, all nations together. And in these churches, sometimes we read these books and we look at it so individualistically, but in these churches that we read about and we read the letters written to them in the New Testament, they were multi-ethnic churches. And the mystery, the power was that they had Jews and Gentiles, Jewish people and Samaritans and and these people who the world looked at and said, there is no way that y'all should even be talking, much less worshiping the same God together at the same time in the same place what is going on there and God was able to release his power and do the miracles that we read about not just because of their their singing and their lifting of their hands or their reading the word but about their unity with God together I firmly believe that it breaks God's heart that we now will live near each other we'll work together We'll eat together, we'll pray together, or we'll play together. Sometimes we even will pray together. But then we'll separate when it comes time to worship. That we'll, we'll separate when it comes time to hear from Jesus. We're not a white church, we're not a Hispanic church, we're not an Asian church, we're not a black church. God has called us to be a church for all. Like the New Testament churches. Not only does this break God's heart, but it it limits his power. I mean, as I've mentioned, you, you go back and look from Genesis to Revelation, where you find great unity, you find great power. And where you find division, (laughs) you find a lack of power. You find weakness. So what are we going to do about this? Like, Like, where are we going with this? We are going to empower every person. in our community to follow Jesus. That's where we're going. Now let me break this down a little bit. How are we gonna empower them? We're gonna empower them by praying for them, praying for every person. 
in our community. We're going to empower them by sharing our faith and, and, and sharing what we have with them. And maybe what we have is finances. Maybe what we have is wisdom. Maybe what we have is resources. Whatever that is that we have, we see over and over. Not only are we supposed to tell people about Jesus, but we're also supposed to empower the believer. See, if we're just right here, then it's all about tell everybody about Jesus. If we're right here, it's all about just teach them the word. But we're going to be able to do both. What God has shown you, what God has entrusted you with, the revelation God has given you, we're going to share that with other people. We're also going to share Jesus with them, and we're going to pray for them, and we're going to invite them into their next steps. Now, depending on who they are, that next step may be finding a local church. That next step may be learning how to read your Bible. It may be learning how to pray. It may be just giving your life to Jesus. It, it may be taking that next step in, grow, in growth and serving and volunteering, like whatever that is, we are going to pray for them. We're going to share our faith and share what we have, and we're going to invite them into their next step, and we're not just going to empower them. We're going to empower every person, so we're going to be a church that doesn't shy away from conversations and opportunities with people who we can't immediately relate with, because we don't do that on our jobs. We might do that in our social life, but we don't do that on our jobs. If you're white and a black person comes in and you're working at a place that sells something and they got money to buy, you better not shy away from them, especially if your money is made by selling. If you're black and somebody white comes in and they got money to spend and your job is to sell them something, you better not shy away from them. <laughs> Their money's green just like your money's green. <laughs> we are no longer going to be a people that shy away from conversations and opportunities with people that we can't immediately relate to. And I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about us. I've shared this with, with some of you all at least, but, but I struggle with this too. If I don't immediately connect with you, it's more difficult for me to press into that relationship, continue to have those conversations. It just is. But I am no longer going to sit back and allow my preferences and my flesh and what I like and what I don't like to determine how God is able to use me. We at this church, we're going to be people that empower every person, every person, not just the ones that we like to follow Jesus. We're going to empower every person in our community. Now, my community, it may be similar to your community. It may be a little different than your community. My community is here. My community is in the coffee shops. My community is on the fields and on the courts and in my home. I have different communities, different circles all around me, and you do too. And, and where we are going as a church, as a people, as a group, is we are looking for opportunities to empower every person in every one of our circles, in every one of our communities. Wherever your community is, God God has a purpose and a plan to use you to empower people in that. But what we do is we often separate these circles or these communities and we say, well, this is church and this is work and this is play. And God, yeah, if you show me this in this time, yeah, I guess I'll do it. But, but being intentional. Remember, at the beginning of this year, God said we need to be intentional. Things aren't going to move. They're not going to work. They're not going to fit like they've always fit before. We need to be intentional in every community that we are in. We are empowering them. We're looking to pray for them. We're sharing our faith and, and sharing what God has given us and we're inviting Inviting them into their next steps, every single person. I would even say, especially those that we don't immediately relate to. And it's not even always about ethnicity or race. It might be the people who have a lot of money, or the people who don't have a lot of money, or the people who are well educated or not well educated. Whoever it is that you don't easily relate to, we are going to be intentional about empowering every person in our community to follow Jesus, not to follow us, 
not to be connected to faith for life, but to follow Jesus. This is about kingdom. This is not about faith for life. This is not about you. This is about kingdom. There may be people that you come in, in contact with and you empower by praying for them and inviting them and sharing with them. And they, God may be calling them to a different church. And that's okay. We say this in Round Rock. There is one church in Round Rock with different expressions. And I believe that. I believe there is one church in Round Rock. I believe there is one church in Texas. I believe there is one church in the, in the United States. I believe there is one church in the world with different expressions. But at the same time, if God has called you here and he's put you in circles with these people, there are people that should be here through your obedience and you're empowering them to follow Jesus. Do you know if half of you brought one person to church with you a month, do you know what that would look like? I'm not talking about about people in the seats. I'm talking about kingdom impact. Because then what happens is the half of you that bring one person a month with, I'm not talking about invite, I'm talking about bring. Bring one person a month with you, then guess what they do? They start to grow. They start to develop. They start to encounter and be empowered. And then at some point, guess what they do? They bring one person a month who then goes into their communities and their circles, and they start to grow and equip and empower. And then they go, and they go. And and it's not about building a church. It's about building the kingdom. Why is this even important? Let let me, before I even get to that, how can we do this? I got to close. I got to do this quickly. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us. The only way that we can do this is if we allow the love of Christ to control us. Because if your flesh has any say in this, you will not do this. I will not do this. We will not do this. I may, you know, pray for those that I love or those that are close to me. I may be, you know, um, talkative or even evangelistic or empowering to those that I like. But to step outside of that, to be consistent, to be intentional, the love of Christ has to control me. When I see somebody that I don't easily relate to, the love of Christ has to control me, not my flesh. When somebody gets on my nerves, and I'm like, somebody else needs to empower them. The love of Christ needs to control me. When I meet people that seem like they are pure evil, the love of Christ has to control me. How does the love of Christ control us? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That we literally give our lives and we die daily for Jesus. And and seeing his multi-ethnic church and seeing his multi-ethnic body come together to be one and be unified. And we do this through the belief that he didn't just die for me. He didn't just die for white people. He didn't just die for black people. He didn't just die for Hispanic people. He died for everybody. He died for all. Oh, this is such the tip of the iceberg of all that the scripture has to say about this. But this is important and we have to do this. And we have to do this now. Let me share with you and here here I'm going to close. And what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. He said, for nation will rise against nation. He's talking about the end times. And this is ethnicity. When you study this out, it's ethnicity will rise against ethnicity. And kingdom against kingdom. 
and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Why is this important? Why is this important? And why is it important for now? Because Jesus has said, the end is coming. And that will include ethnicities rising up against ethnicities. That will give way to false prophets leading people astray. Essentially, that will lead to people missing heaven. And if we as the church play into that that will happen in our society, in our culture, and we rise up as ethnicity against ethnicity and nation against nation and people against people, then we will fit in with the world and we will see those people go to hell. We will have a part to play in that, even though we're in our churches and we're lifting our hands and we love Jesus. But if we will be countercultural, if we will be the church, the New Testament church that God has called us to be, specifically here with us at Faith for Life, if we will do that, then when this begins to increase, because it's already happening, when it increases, we will have a voice. We will be a safe haven. We will help people not fall privy to the false prophets and be led astray. We will help God be able to snatch people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We will be agents and hands and feet and, 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 uh, and allow God to use us to have people's eternities changed. People that otherwise would have went to hell will be going to heaven because Jesus said this in John chapter 17. He said, God, I pray that my people would be so unified, just like me and you are unified. Because I know that if they will, that it will show the world that you sent me. And it will show the world that they love them. See, when all of this happens and all this hate begins to rise and begins to come up, what we're going to want to say to these people is God loves you. God's not a God of hate. God's a God of love. He is love. But they're not going to be able to listen to us because we hate our brothers and sisters. Because we hate those people who are not like us. But if we are able to say, God loves you, and he loves them, and he loves me, and he loves us, they look at that and they say, how? How is that possible? And God does something and opens up their hearts and brings them to a place where they can more easily receive. If you want to know where we're going, we're going to a place where we're the hospital and the weight room, where we're the white and the black and everything in between. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not in the middle. We're not compromising. We're both. We're both. We are going to a place where we are a multi-ethnic church that, that, that has the empowerment and the focus to get the lost saved and to train up the believer. To be like, like Jesus is spoken of in John chapter 1 where it says that, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. We're going to be the church of and. Not or, not either, but and. Jesus wasn't half grace and half truth. He was full of grace and full of truth. He was both. And he's called us to be both. 
He's called us to be all. That's where we're going. And when you get on an airplane, when you take a flight, that flight is going to a destination. And when you get on, now you're going to that destination. And if you want to get off, you better get off before it takes off. Because once the plane takes off, you don't have any say. <laughs> so I'm telling you, this is where we're going. And I don't mean you don't have any say. I don't, I don't mean it that way. But I do mean that's where we're going. And, and if God has called you here, then I want you to know that's where we're going. And, and, and when, if this is not where you want to go, if you're looking for a, a white church or a black church, or if you're looking for a church that's only about this or only about that, then come talk to me. I know a bunch of churches that are amazing, and they're doing great work in, on either side of that spectrum. And I will personally in, uh, introduce you to their pastor. And that's fine. I have no issue with that because it's not about faith for life. This is about the kingdom. But, but where we're going is both and. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.